All right. Um, we, uh, we, so Danielle and I did the seminar that was in here. You can, you can listen to all these uh, seminars from the conference. We have a, there's actually a podcast on iTunes or Android or whatever for the good of the bluegrass. And you can listen to all, all three years of the, of the conference content. But specifically this year, if you want to listen to the marriage one or the singleness one or the parenting one. And what we did at the end of the parenting one and the marriage one yesterday is we just asked for, uh, put a box of questions back there. So we got four good questions that were in there. We're going to, we'll try to handle these first. Um, and then if you, if, if you have questions, if we have time, we'll take some questions from the, the floor, so to speak, um, about, about parenting. Uh, even if you weren't at the conference, um, you, can, you can ask us um, some of those and We'll either say we have no idea, which is probably true, uh, or we'll try to give, try to give an answer. Um, that's enough introduction. All right. These aren't, these aren't in any real order, so um, Danielle and Robert and Abby, y'all just weigh in as you want. I've got my answers kind of here, but I'll let y'all respond first, and then I'll add some of my thoughts. All right, this is a good one. This one said... How do I help my kids with direction when I am so aimless and generally a mess myself? <laughs> that's a good question. So, uh, well, we, that's going to be you all. We're, we're, we're not like that. So the Witheringtons <laughs> can take that. <laughs> you want me to? Okay. Um, well, I, 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 it's so many things. The first, I think, would say you're not alone. I think every parent feels that. Aimless and a mess. Uh, what I have found in my life, and by the way, this, we, we recognize uh, that, I think, I think maybe we're up here because we are in the business of helping parents, parents so often, not necessarily my, and certainly Abby and I, these, these two have, have been, been all the way through to the college world, but uh, we're not here because we have uh, become experts through practice. I think we're here because of our own mistakes and because we work with so many parents through so many of their mistakes. So um, a lot of what we know is, is uh, from, from what we've done wrong. And Abby and I would totally uh, say, whoever that's asked that question, totally say we know exactly what it feels like to be out of control and a mess. How do you help if you, you yourself are the mess? Um, I, I think a couple things. Number one is the, the lie uh, that you have to get cleaned up in order to help others. You have to get you in order before you can help others get in order. And, and this is something I have to tell myself every week as I stand in the pulpit every week and feel like, who am I to be here talking to you folks when I fall so short of this sermon that I'm about to preach? But the reality is of God's work that you see throughout the scriptures, he just really uses failed, broken people to accomplish great things. And I just have to hold on to that promise week after week after week. And I think every parent has to do that, has to be able to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a mess. Um, I committed the same mistakes in them that I'm correcting in them, but that's okay. That, that, that's, that's okay. I, I have to trust that God can do that. So number one, you, you don't have to clean yourself up before you have the right to parent. Number two thing is I, I would say this, uh, and this goes to my sermon for those of you who are in there, if you're not. If you're there, if you're going to second service, you'll get this. What if the way out of the mess that you feel and uh, the out of controlness feel and all that stuff, what if it's not to try to 
try to get yourself in control, clean up your mess, but what if the way out of the mess is actually uh, focusing on your calling as parenting? In other words, it's interesting that I think parents get paralyzed by the messiness of their life and get, get kind of crippled and, and don't want to parent when, in fact, getting your eyes off of yourself and focusing on your calling is the very thing that would clean up the mess. Um, so your parenting might actually, intentional, thoughtful, going after your calling um, as unto the Lord might be the way out of your mess. It might be that you're just in this cycle of crippling um, guilt and shame over how messy your life is, and the way out is just to say, all right, it's mess. Got Jesus enough, and I'm going to move on with my calling. So, Did you add to that? Um, I think just that, um, <clears throat> like, I, we've only been parents for nine years, so, um, again, this is, you know... Take it with a grain of salt. We don't have any final products or anything like that on our hands. Um, And we are just such a work in progress. That's why when Robert told me, I don't know, yesterday or whenever that we were doing this. (laughs) You know, when those videos came, when we showed the video of our family that night, this will give you our marriage. This is what not to do. Will gets up there and says, hey, we've got got a special edition of Bluegrass Funny Videos. It's the the Cunninghams night. And I go, oh, shoot. About to see our family on screen. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we're a mess. So there's an illustration or two for you um, that we fly by the seat of our pants a little bit. Um, but I would say for what I've learned in these nine very short years, and I realize many of you have had a lot more years of parenting, um, is kind of what I tried at the beginning, which really didn't work, was trying to act like we had it together and um, and parent out of some sort of arrival um, strategy and what I found as especially as my kids have gotten older and we've been able to converse with them a little bit more is a lot of apologies to them for that I'm so sorry that I you know I hid you know some of that and tried to act like a perfect mom or tried to get it right and be perfect because I think what I've seen that our kids really in the way that they they thrive under the um just the humility that we show them and that we do expose them to the fact that we're messy sinners and that we need the grace of Jesus to do our parenting and that we're so sorry in the ways that we fail, you know, in that moment, you know, I'm sorry and mommy's sorry. And that, that, that seems to obviously reach their heart. So I think, um, bringing, you know, not all of our mess and dumping it on our children. That's not what I'm saying, but just, you know, when I lose my temper, when I, you know, in that moment to say, mommy, really needs Jesus. You need Jesus when you lose your temper with your brother. And I need, I need Jesus, you know, so let's, you know, let's know that, that we both need Jesus and we, and that they have, as we repent, you know, that they, every once in a while, will repent to each other. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's beautiful. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen often, but when it does, I I think, I really do think that's, that's more of the, the way than the perfect way. And of course, I still struggle with trying to do the perfect way often, but that, that's what has seemed to bring fruit in the, in the kids. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think, the, I think the, the, the pressure to be the perfect parent and to parent out of strength is, is, reinforcing, um, is reinforcing kind of a moralistic perfectionism religion home. Um, why don't you just use your mess as the opportunity for them to see the sufficiency of the gospel? Um, and you're training your kids in the ways of repentance, not perfection. And so it's just a good opportunity to say, look, it is a mess, but Jesus is enough. And 
All that. Do you want to say anything, honey? So I, uh, my, 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 what I wrote in response to that one was, uh, was one, it's okay. Um, uh, sort of echoing what they said. It's, we're, we're all at some point, especially if you have young kids, feel like you always mess. Um, but in our talk yesterday, we, we talked about, if you, if you weren't here, we, we kind of went through uh, a, a hope in God philosophy is how we have approached it. We want, we, we want, uh, we want a hope in God, not in our parenting and we want our kids to hope in God, not in a, uh, a performance, do what we say tightly. We want them to put their hope in God. And in that, in that journey, if you, if you can turn your children, even in your mess, to hope in God, that's sort of true north, right? It's like if, if, we're, if we're faced towards true north, uh, God, then, then we can kind of deal with the, the messes that come with that. Um, and so in that sense, it's okay that you're in that journey because we're all kind of in that. The second thing I put was um, it could be helpful to get to the roots of why are you messy? That's always a good question. Why am I? You know, like for me, um, I, grew up in a, I grew up in a home where anger and fits of anger were sort of the norm. Um, and so when we were married, my knee-jerk reaction to things in the home was a fit of anger, like a, a reaction of anger. Uh, and I mean, to the point of throwing balls and hitting walls and all kind of stuff, you know, that's so much shame associated with that. And so as a young parent recognizing, wait, I react to my kids, my wife situation in the home with a knee jerk reaction of anger because I was trained that way myself. Uh, and so getting to some roots of that and, and even to this day, 20, you know, 22 years, 21 years of marriage later, still, that's still my besetting Reaction is to respond aggressively uh, to whatever. So uh, I think it's helpful to get to the roots of your own issues. If you're messy or uh, angry or scattered or harsh or lazy or whatever it is, we all have those. So I think getting to the roots. And then the third, and uh, this might be a good place for you to respond, but get help. Get some help. Uh, One of the things we've, um, you know, there's everything from mom agendas to... um, Chore charts to uh, uh, Stephen Covey's uh, Quadrant Two Living. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there to help people that are frantic and scattered to get some order. Now, some people are going to be better at that than others, and that's okay. But there's help out there, and so I would say find you find you a system that works. And we we've done trial and error with this. You know, from I've been trying to for since the invention of the iPhone, get her to organize her life with an iPhone calendar and memos and responses and all and she carries around this daggum spiral notebook and writes all these you know like random things with arrows all over the place that she gets and it drives me nuts I'm like I don't know what that is I need a, a bulleted reminder alarm you know it's a it comes up right at the time it's supposed to happen you know that kind of stuff uh but that works for her and that brought order for her and then she was able to to parent so uh find, find a system that works for you uh, in, in how you're made, how you're wired, that kind of thing. Is it good? Yeah, I get help. I, you, you know, we're up here answering the questions as though we're the helpers, but you need to know that I'm, literally almost anything that comes up in parenting or home, P's one of the people I go to, Mark, uh, Marshall, um, Nate is, has raised three amazing young men. I, I, at every point of my boy's development, I'm calling Nate Jones to say, what I do with this one. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could not be parenting at all without 
help. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and there, there, are, there are some uh, moms and dads in this room, I know, that have real good systems to bring yep. order. Uh, we, we had a lot of help early on, and even, and even still now, with some mentors that do that. So get, get help is probably a good piece of advice. All right, number two. Uh, what would you say to a married couple who does not want to have children? You want me to go first? Uh. <laughs> Why don't you or I go first with that one? Okay. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Are you, are you no, no, no. I, um, I'm afraid of what I'm going to say because I'm afraid you're going to say something different. Great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you want me to go first then? Yeah. Let me see. If, <laughs> I, I, I would rather correct you than you correct me. All right. Great. Um, so here's what I wrote. I put... Um, this question to me, it gets to a broader I think all parents have to, at some point, ask the question of why do I want to be a parent or not be a parent? Uh, so the, the question of why, I think it's important. Because uh, you can have, want to have lots of kids for some wrong reasons. Uh, and, and, and that could be your own, uh, your own identity, your own posture in a society that values that. I mean, there could be a lot of impure... And you could not want to have children for some really wrong reasons. I'm scared. Uh, I'm not going to be good. I came from a broken home. You know, there, so I would, I think, first ask, all of us should ask, why? Why, 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 why has God given me this? And the second, though, I would say is, um, it would, I, I think it'd be okay if you said, I've, I'm, I've dealt with the, maybe the whys. And I think God has just said to us as a couple, we're not going to have children. I, I think that moves it into where, again, where all of us fall, the broader family of God dynamic is we are all in the covenant community to parent. We are all to have sons and daughters in the faith, whether you have them biologically or not. Because one of the strong issues that happens in the church is what do you do with people who are infertile, who want children that aren't able to have children? Uh, can they not be parents? Absolutely, they can, they can be some of the best parents in the, in the church, to the community, to the church at large. And so I think the same question, even if you choose out of a desire to not have children, I think God can be okay with that. Just like perhaps someone who's not choosing to not have children, they just can't. Uh, can you be a parent? Yes, I think the church needs all of us to parent the next generation. So even if you aren't able or you choose not to have children, I would say, Still be a parent. Still pour out your faith to the next generation. Still bring uh, alongside you that uh, the, the disciple-making paradigms that, that, that Deuteronomy 6 talks about and then Jesus emphasized in the Great Commission that we're, we are to share these things to the next generation. You want to correct me? So let me correct Will Witherington on his... Uh, <laughs> no, I agree with, I, I agree with everything he just said. Let, let me add this one caveat, okay? Um, have I proven to this church that I am a devoted Protestant? Please. Yes? Okay. <laughs> I am a Protestant. So what's about to come in my mouth is from a Protestant perspective. I do think, and now it's, it's, it, is, it's, it's, it binds the conscience in unhealthy ways. Um, it, it, uh, it, it, it's straight up legalism. In unhealthy ways, it heaps burdens of guilt in unhealthy ways. I could qualify it all day long as a Protestant. 
But I do think we have something to learn from the Catholics when it comes to sex and, and its theology, the theology of sex. Because um, if you talk to a Catholic, it is much more than the, 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 Catholic, the, the Catholic doctrine would teach that God has ordained that the ultimate joy of sex is the reproduction of God's image. And, and of course, this is why, you know, they take, they take um, unlawful, um, pharisaical, conscious binding steps to say, therefore, no contraception, all that stuff. I actually wrote my ethics paper in seminary on contraception against the Catholic position, so I, I'm there. But the principle of what, it's a little bit of a danger that, that uh, American Protestants have bought in unwillingly to the uh, sexual revolution to say sex is about my pleasure. Um, and, then the, and then the evangelicals have responded to that and said, no, it's not about my pleasure. It's, it's, it's about, um, it's a selfless pleasure that, that, that uh, I'm serving my wife, my spouse and sex, and, and so forth. And there has been a recovery of the goodness of sex in a lot of ways, but that missing piece of when you make love, you are opening yourself up to the, um, the, the consummation of the next generation, the joy of bringing a new image bearer into it, the fruit of sex. When somebody comes to me and says, I- I'm married, I just don't have kids, I agree wholeheartedly with Will. The first question I want to ask is why? Why? And I've never probed, I've never probed, I've never probed down in and found a noble answer. Now, if, if there is a noble answer, and that answer is exactly what he just said, which I would amen that all day long. If you say, look, we don't feel called to have kids because we feel called to, to raise up the next generation by everything he just said, coming along and helping Abby and Robert with those four knuckleheads who they need all the help in the world, we're devoted to helping the children of this church. We're devoted to discipling the next generation. We're devoting to meeting foster care needs or an, an injustice or we're taking up a cause that is so great that we, there's just no way we could, you know, whatever. I've never found that. Whenever I've found I don't want to have kids, it's, it's at the end of the day, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't, I don't want, you know, the traditional... The traditional religions, um, monotheistic religions, we don't go as far as saying that you are born a Christian like Muslims would say you are born a Muslim and you are born a Jew. We don't go that far, and nor should we. But our covenant theology is not the other extreme, where it doesn't matter. So whereas where Muslims are, are, are reproducing and populating the next generation, I think average is like five and Christians, evangelicals, I think, is, is just under two. Um, mainline is, is under one. Um, we joke about Presbyterian evangelism, but it's a very real thing. The primary way that the gospel goes forth generation to generation is we create new Christians and raise them up in the Lord. Um, so I just think I, I'm big on, on having kids and parenting. And I know you all are too, and he wasn't saying that. I'm just yep. saying I agree. Test your heart there and see what's, see what's there. Um, did y'all want to add to that? <laughs> I, if I'm wrong, I, I, I'm totally no, I, open to pushback on that. I really am. No, no I, I, uh, I wanted to go that far, but just left it out in the okay. ask the why question. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, Richard Pratt, some of you may know Richard Pratt. <clears throat> he's big uh, on some of this, and he, he spends a lot of time in the Muslim world. 
And he actually has these stats that just from a sheer um, reproduction standpoint, we are never going to catch the growth of Islam. No. Never. No. Because evangelicals have bought into the 1.6 kid idea, you know, that, uh, and the Muslims are 4.4 or so, some, some crazy stat like that. Uh, there, there is something dangerous about that, that there's something in the waters of, of capitalism or uh, Western progress that kids get in the way of. Uh, and I think that has to be tested uh, yeah. up against the gospel, up against the, the, the creation mandate of go be fruitful and multiply, or of be fruitful and multiply. That not being a command, it actually being a promise that God, God blessed us. God blessed us and said, be fruitful and multiply. It's going to happen. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, uh, we could talk all day long about this because I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's really important. I think the next generation is really important, and um, and we either need to be producing the next generation, discipling them, or you need to be all in on whatever it takes to to reach the next generation of Christians because we're just one generation away. Okay, good. Um, all right, number uh, this this one. Um, and then we'll get one I think is a little, maybe we'll have a little longer. Um. We do not have longer. Huh? I'm looking at that clock. Okay, let's do it longer. We've rambled. First. All right, so this one, this one was about education. It says, as a Christian parent and a product of a Christian school education, I feel strongly in the value of Christian education for our kids. What should you do if you cannot find a way to pay the high cost of private school education? I know there are ways to, to reduce this cost, homeschooling, other cheaper education uh, that have different theological uh, deficiencies, etc. But those are, in this person's opinion, not options for their family or either possible. Uh, how, would, how, would you, how would we instruct that? So this one to me, that was a very personal question about cost. Uh, but I think it gets to the larger question of how do you, how do you as parents decide how to educate your children, and the different forms are out there. So, I, I would love for y'all to take that one. I, I just think that y'all are really good at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. I think y'all are really good at it. We're young. We, uh, we have our oldest is in third grade. So, you want to go first? You, want to? you don't. Okay. I love my role as lightning rod. Uh, You're a good one. <laughs> I'm a good lightning rod. Um, I'm married to a lightning rod. Yeah. So. Uh, we, so, I, I appreciate that we've we've wrestled with this one a lot. We we actually have done all forms of schooling that you can. Right now, we have four children in four different schools. So we have, and we've done. So we we've homeschooled. We've done private school. We've done private Christian co-oping, homeschooling, schooling. <laughs> uh, we've done public school, that kind of thing. So, and here, here's here's why. Um, Parents Christian educate, schools don't Christian educate. That's the end of the day. If you are trusting Trinity or the Lexington Latin School or LCA to Christian educate your kids, you've got, a, you've got your confidence in the wrong bucket if you were here yesterday. Your confidence has to be that God made you the chief teacher, the chief parent, the chief principal, the chief uh, curriculum director, the chief... Uh, chaplain, the chief, like at, at the end of the day, parents are Christian educators. And if you can start there, then you, every option is wide open to you, which leads to my second thing. It's different for each child. Um, 
God, this is, this, this is like walking out onto uh, dangerous ice here. Uh, we've, we found with two of our children, they did not do good in a Christian environment that was real heavy academic and real heavy rule keeping. They needed a little broader of a spectrum where they could move and flow through the masses and have relationships and connect. Two of our children, they love the rules, they love the academics, they, you know, love in a, <laughs> not like they love chocolate type love, right? <laughs> they, they didn't mind it as much. Huh? They flourished. They flourished. They, they, they could hand, and, and they could, so one of our children, they did, they, they, I'm going to avoid the gender, but they did not like the association of stand in line with a Bible verse that felt like that if she wasn't standing, at, if they weren't standing in line, or if they weren't turning their papers in right, if they weren't doing, that was in some way an evidence of their Christian character. She didn't buy that. No, I'm walking with Jesus. I've got a faith, and I don't want you to connect it to my ability to write grammatically correct sentences. That was oppressive to her. My other children were like, that's okay. You know, uh, I'm a Christian, and if they want to evaluate me on my sentence structure, then fine, but that wasn't connected. So I, I, I would say, again, wading out into, you've got to decide for your children each individually. And I know that's difficult because, like, I mean, you, how are we going to transport them? Uh, we got one that would do better here. And what, I, you got to figure that out. You gotta, you gotta, that's the hard work of parenting is I'm not just going to resign myself to something because it's hard work or it's going to make challenging. I mean, we've, we've changed every other year sometimes with some of our children. Like, that's challenging. We got to go talk to this principal. Now we got to go talk to this curriculum director. We got to go, I'm just, I'm advocating you are the Christian educator of your children. You are. And if you choose a Christian school, great. You're still the Christian educator. If you choose a public school, you're still the Christian educator. Um, and, and those kind of things. Um, third point that I wrote down is providence is often a great dictator. This question was a question of providence. They have a philosophy. They have a desire. The money's not there. I think you got to weigh that in. Not first. That's why I put this third. Provident, you know, uh, John Piper used to say when he, when he, they, he, had, he has his church in Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis, one of the most crime-ridden cities in America. He said when he would interview pastoral candidates, if, if in their top two or three responses was safety, they never hired them. If it was 10th, they would talk to them. That it's not safe doing life in Minnesota. And so, so if safety was on their high, they, they wouldn't function. They would, they would constantly be worried about where they're going to park and drive and their cars getting stolen and break-ins and school systems and all that. I would say the same thing about this. If your first concern is the money, it's already lost. Like if you, uh, if, if, if you can't Christian educate because you can't afford to put your kids in the Christian school, you're, you're, you're a victim. You're blame shifting. You're complaining about a providential situation that God hasn't given you. I would say pull that back in. I'm the Christian educator. I can't afford school. All right. We, we, me and my wife are going to decide how are we going to educate our children in a school we can't afford? And if it's the public school, how are we going to navigate this world where God has us that's risky, dangerous? I just believe God's that big and will equip you to do that. And it's not, you're not cost restrictive to be a Christian parent. Uh, <laughs> send the emails. <laughs> Add anything? Add anything? All right, let's pray. 
Huh? Yeah, no, I, uh, l- let me say this. I, I, I totally agree with Will. Um, we have our kids at our school at Trinity. We have loved it. Um, it is, uh, it's been fantastic. It's been a fantastic experience. Um, I'm the senior pastor of the church. If I ever uh, got convinced that one of my children was not flourishing in Trinity and would flourish elsewhere, I, without hesitation, would explore that, even though I'm the pastor of the church of the school. So far, we've loved Trinity, and it's been incredible. Let me just say this, and I'll, I'll echo what he said. You are the, you're the Christian educator of a home, okay? What that means is that every single educational choice requires unique discipleship of your children. Um, parenting is gardening. It is not manufacturer assembly line. Do this, this, and this, and out comes an awesome kid. It's gardening. It's when do I water, when do I weed, um, when am I rough on the soil, when do I need to give it rest. And wherever you send your child to school, you just need to know that you are going to have unique discipleship stuff to do in their life. So if you send them to a Christian school education, there are unique discipleship challenges that you as a parent are going to have to walk them through. If you send them to a public school, there are unique discipleship challenges that will look different to that that you're going to have to walk them through. If you homeschool them, there are unique discipleship challenges that you're going to have to walk them through. There is no, there is no such thing as I can send my kid here and not worry about it. Uh, so you've got to know your kids. You've got to know the environment they're in. You've got to know their friends. You've got to know uh, the, the reigning um, idols and um, lies that exist within the culture of where they're inhabiting in that school. You've got to be incredibly discerning about that. It's, it's parenting. Parenting is wisdom. It's, it's, I call it improvisational discipleship, where you're just constantly improvising, and then you wake up and they're gone. <laughs> and and that's, that's what it is. That's what education is. So... Um, we are big believers in Trinity. We really are, and I'll just say that. We're big believers in Trinity, and um, I'm a big believer in uh, our public school system here uh, that, that ne- desperately needs... Oh, boy, I love Sandy. Y'all weren't in the... Anyway, y'all weren't in the Trinity. Uh, Sandy had a thing that they did with the school in town. Anyway, I love the idea of a local church... Um, supporting and and redeeming the public education system. I love homeschool as a model. I love them all, but they all have unique idols and challenges. And you just got to know that. And you got to you got to you got to be really thoughtful about discipling your kids through each of those. Yeah, let me let me say one more thing. I it, just as a general if 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 that the way I just communicated that felt more uh, aggressive and resolved. Let me, let me rein that back in and say it actually has the, been the most freeing thing. Like, we find so much joy owning the Christian education of our kids because now everything's an option. Like, it, it doesn't feel inhibited. It doesn't feel restrictive. So let me, let me put a smile on my face and say I actually love the aspect that there's three options out there that we can choose from because I'm the director. I'm the lead wolf of my home, and we get to decide how our kids are educated and Christ, and. That's exciting. Like, I don't want you to hear, like, this is like, I know I was serious when I was saying that. That's just kind of my default. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of joy and grace and faith going on in this heart when we talk about this stuff 
that just, we look at our kids and go, what, God, what's best for her? What's best for him? And next year may change. And, we're, and we feel a whole bunch of freedom to change if we need to. We feel a whole bunch of freedom to fail. I, I wasn't a good, that wasn't a good call. We need to redirect that. Uh, because we're the chief educators of our kids. So that little just, just yeah. Just wanted that, that. I wanted you to hear my heart a little bit more on that than just wasn't just a head decision where I'm the we're chief educator and blah blah. blah. Okay, it's um, good. Okay, it's good. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Is is that clock right? Eleven eleven o'clock. Yeah. It's eleven o'clock. So, so the last one, we'll, and then we'll just we'll end up. Yeah, let's do this. let's do let's do one more, and we'll do it quick. How do you encourage a parent, or, or encourage or parent an adult child? who perhaps is a Christian, but is not walking or choosing to walk with God right now? <laughs> Again, I, I, mean, I can tell you how I've walked with people through that. But, um, Same with us. My first response when I read this one was... Um, to, to use the word parent and adult child in the same sentence, I think might be the starting point that I would say we're moving, you know, three of our kids, we would say are two and a half of our kids are in uh, adulthood. Our parenting really is shifting, like where they're responsible for their decisions. They're they, they actually are going to find better discipleship, mentoring, evangelism from people not named Witherington. Um, and we, we, we got to give that away. So I would say my first response is let it go. If you're, if you're the parent of an adult child, not walk, quit trying to evangelize them. Quit trying to get them in the fold. Pray for them. Go fishing with them. Do life with them. Relate with them and give and connect them to a church. Connect them to uh, uh, some readings. But I, I think... For you to be the perpetual one that's harping on the faith could actually be doing more damage to them. Uh, and so I would, my first thing was to kind of let it, maybe let it go uh, for a season. Um, there, there's, there's an interesting, uh, we listened to an interesting podcast this week um, on, um, I forgot what, what that podcast is called. Barnabas. Yeah, it was Barnabas Piper. You know, John Piper's son, Barnabas, was a non-Christian for up until his late 20s. And he had, he's become a Christian but he, he said some really interesting things about how he was raised and what his parents did to kind of let that go. And, and there would be some folks in this room that would be real helpful with this one, too. Yeah. How, how, how do we navigate that? Uh, how do we let our children go and experience a prodigal life or even just a questioning life? It's okay. Um, God is still faithful um, in that. But it, it could be you're not going to be the one that is the impetus for their conversion or their finding God. It may come from somewhere else, and that'd be okay. Yeah, yeah I, I would commend uh, Barnabas Piper wrote his story. You, you can just Google it and find it. But Barnabas Piper wrote his story about his rejection of the faith. Um, his dad, at Piper, excommunicated his son from the church. Um, and him letting have the courage to let him go but kept a really good relationship and he has some tidbits in there piper has some tidbits in there of like just little things that he did with his son um just shooting a little email doing lunches not talking about you know not not bringing it up um and uh inviting his friends his wild friends that he had made his partying friends they were they were over at the piper's house for dinner <laughs> you know um Inviting them into the home, you know, just really 
loving them well and having the courage to let them go. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. There's a talk online. That she's, what is that? God-Centered Mom, which some of you listen to, that podcast is really good. I commend it to you if you don't. But she interviews him, and that interview is... She interviews, she interviews him, yeah, and it's we, really, really good. So, yeah. God-Centered Mom podcast. Abby loves that. God-Centered Mom podcast. Um, the, 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 second, the second thing um, I would just say is two things. I love what Sandy said about parenting, of is respecting that you are on holy ground when it comes to your child's soul and asking permission to enter in. Um, this is what Will saying to let him go. Ask permission to let him to, to enter in. Would it be okay if we talked about spiritual things? Would you be okay sharing it? And if they're not comfortable, that's fine. That, that's you. And I, I, I got to respect that boundary and, and, and that's holy ground. And I'm not going to try to force my way in and, and control your soul to heaven. It just, you can't do it. Um, the second thing is, is, is I, I do think it's powerful. Um, if, if in your searching and in your praying, um, if you can find their hangups, it is not your fault that they are not a Christian or that they're not walking with God. It's not your fault. That is on them. Sandy was really big on that. It, it would be good, though. What would help them in their journey if you're, your, you're their parent, so you have contributed to their hangups in some way. It would be helpful if you, if you did have the humility to come to them and say, looking back, I'm not going to live in regret. I'm not going to live in guilt. I'm not going to let this own me. I'm not going to wallow around and hate myself. But looking back, here's some things I really feel like I messed it. And I'm sorry. And, and, and they're going to have to forgive. Every kid has to forgive their parents. Something We just do it a, a big gift if, we, if we're willing to, in humility, come and own that to them. I'm not saying you'll do that and then they'll fall on their knees and believe in Jesus. I'm just saying that is, they, they need that gift from you. So would you add to that? Do you have any words to say? You're, you're really good. That's why I wanted. I don't know. Is there anything you wanted to share that you didn't get to share? You don't have to. I just, no, no, just, just in general. I just think you're really good. Okay. The only thing I would say is just, um, I'm a big proponent. I'm a counselor and I'm a big proponent for counseling in parenting. So I think, um, if you've never gotten, you don't have to be in crisis to get counseling. I think that as a parent, what I've seen again over just the last nine years, so not a long time, but the biggest thing that I've seen help my parenting and my walk with the Lord is getting counseling to understand my own story um, and some of the things from my past where I had great parents. They also missed it in some places, and the ways that they missed it was impacting me as a parent. I was, you know, generational sin is a really powerful thing, um, whether you had the best of parents or, you know, a really rough um, upbringing. So I think we all carry generational sin. The sins of my grandmother and my mother were passed to me, and, um, and, and, and they were really wonderful ladies at the same time. So I think just exploring that and not passing and, and fighting my sin and taking extreme measures to do that, whether it be counseling or um, there's celebrate recovery programs that you don't have to be in, a, in an addiction to, to attend, but just going back through your story and, and figuring out why. Like Will said, his anger. Why am I angry? Um, it probably has something to do with my story. And, and again, we can't blame all of our sin on our story, but it helps us if we understand then to deal with our own sin and, Lord willing, not pass it on to our children to pass to their children. Um, so I'm just a big proponent of counseling in parenting, and it's been a tremendous blessing to me. So that's my only plug. Yeah, I've really got to go. I mean, I've got to go preach. But, but I, 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 w- I would say this. Um, when your kids, see, here's the deal. Your kids get stuck on a version of Christianity that they got a big hang-up on. And, of course, that's you. 
right? <laughs> that's the way you are doing Christianity. So they get stuck on that, and that's the Christianity they're rejecting. Well, if you're not changing, what they need to see from you is a different form. Like, if you go hard after your story, and, and, and they see this parent who, like, did Christianity this way, but, man, they are completely different, and I could maybe get behind that. If you could model what they don't need is you stuck in the rut of your story in Christianity, going nowhere with Jesus, no sanctification going on, it's just business as usual, then, then they're still hung up on that same thing and they're still rejecting the same thing. Give them something new to see. Like give, them a, give them a fresh look at, at the gospel and God's power to change. When kids see their parents change, there's no better, there is no better um, um, apologetic for the faith. And that can only come from you and Jesus and your hard work. I've got to go. Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me land this plane. So I was uh, joked about sending the emails. Please send them. Um, what we've seen every year with these conferences is it's a conversation starter for the year. And it moves us forward over, over the year. So as you've listened, even if you're just here for the first time today, didn't come to the conference, or you're here all week, send us your thoughts. Because what we're going to do over the next year is, is try to create an environment where we can scratch you where you're itching in these areas of marriage, singleness, parenting. So we want to hear from you. What, what, are, what are you wrestling with? What are you battling? What, what, what needs greater definition? What, what needs greater explanation? What needs greater training? We're all at different places, we, and we need each other to walk through this. So as, as you think about it, you can send them to me. Send, um, send the emails to me. Send your thoughts, because we, we want to move the needle here. We want to get better at this. And... Uh, and see the next generation love, love God and put their hope in Him. So uh, bring it on, and uh, hopefully the next year we'll have a great conversation about our marriages and our, our singleness and our parenting and church family, okay? All right, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll be done. Lord, thanks for this conversation. Um, Lord, thank you for the, uh, the generations that are represented in this room of men and women who have faithfully loved you and passed on your testimony down to the next generation. Lord, I pray that the, the subsequent generations coming after us would love you, put their hope in you, that they would not be stiff-necked, that they would remember your works. Lord, help us as the current generation to proclaim your mighty works, to put our hope in you so that the generations to come would do the same. Lord, bless our worship now. If, if we have come to worship and are going home, Lord, give us great rest today. Give us great uh, energy and light to this, this city over this next week. In Jesus' name, amen.